Good evening, Australia, and hello to the rest of the world. Welcome to Under the Wire, your home for censored and suppressed information about vaccination and health. My name is Meryl Dory, and I am coming to you from northern New South Wales after an amazing day at the border for the Reclaim the Line rally. Um, I am incredibly sunburnt, as you can probably see, but happy and feeling really, really... Um, buoyed up by the number of people that were there. I'm just going to share a very, very quick video that was done today. I mean, I can't believe how quickly these people get this stuff out. Um, and it was a drone footage of the rally at the border. Hello, Maria. Hang on just one second and I'll get that going. That was the view today from the sky above the border between Queensland and New South Wales. We had some amazing speakers. Graham Hood, of course, he's just incredible. Um, we had uh, Alec Cooney from the police force, the New South Wales police force. Um, we had so many amazing speakers and just an incredible, strong vibe um, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And it was one of many rallies. I think there were 24 rallies held across Australia today. I've seen some photos and videos from the rally at uh, the Central Coast and another one from Sydney, and they also had a huge turnout. Yesterday in Melbourne was massive. I'd, I'd say, I'd estimate there had to have been at least 50,000 people there. I do tend to probably overestimate because I see the people and try to count them up. But um, today I was told that there was a confirmed 10,000. And Melbourne yesterday, there were tens and tens of thousands of people there. And it was just wonderful. The police did not get involved. Um, they were there to protect the people, which is their job. They were not there to uh, abuse anyone. But Darwin was another story. In Darwin, my understanding is that an Aboriginal leader was targeted by the police and um, they beat his daughter in front of him after they had him in handcuffs. I'm hoping to speak with him tomorrow on a live stream. So just bear with me. I'll hopefully be able to get him on. Um, so Darwin, it looks like Gunner in Darwin, the chief minister, is trying to take a page out of uh, dictator Dan's book of abuse. So uh, we're not going to let that happen. Uh, the Northern Territory is not a place for that sort of thing. Nowhere in Australia is. So I'm going to go to my interview in a few minutes. But before I do, I just wanted to share a little bit of information that's just come out. And by just come out, I mean, I have it on my iPad here. I don't even have time to switch it over so I can show it to you, but I will share it in the comments. Um, this is from the Database of Adverse Event Notifications, the DAEN in Australia. Um, that is publicly available information. It is passive reporting, so it only picks up between 1 and 10 percent of reactions, um, but it, it is searchable, so you can put in different uh, searches and 
this is a search for cardiac disorders, myocarditis, and pericarditis between the 1st of October 2021 and the 24th of October 2021. So just a three-week period, basically, maybe a little over three weeks. And there were 599 cases of myocarditis reported in Australia, myocarditis and pericarditis. Myocarditis is basically an inflammation of the heart muscle. Pericarditis is an inflammation of the pericardium, which is the area surrounding the heart muscle. And we talked about this um, with Dr. Peter McCullough in the uh, Under the Wire that we did Wednesday. If you haven't seen that, it is, I think it's still up on Facebook, but if you go to the AVN page, you'll find it under the Under the Wire section. Um, so the number of cases where a single suspected medicine um, were involved were 568 out of 599. Um, 423 cases of pericarditis, 197 cases of myocarditis, one death. Now, I want you to know that these are extremely, extremely rare conditions. Uh, and what we're trying to do now is find the baseline number for both of these conditions, myocarditis and pericarditis, prior to the introduction of the COVID jabs. Um, in several countries in Europe, the governments have withdrawn the use of the Moderna vaccine in anyone under the age of 30 because of the real and severe risk of death and long-term permanent damage to the heart in people who get them, uh, especially young people, especially young men. Um, and in a town called Renmark in South Australia, 13 young men were diagnosed with myocarditis within a one-week period. All of them got that after receiving the experimental COVID jab. So um, we are literally seeing our youth being destroyed, uh, permanently damaged, and in some cases killed by a jab that is supposed to prevent a disease against which they are absolutely not at risk. Young people do not have to worry about COVID-19 if it even exists. But let's say that it exists. It, they don't have to worry about it. They will not die from this unless they have some really serious underlying conditions. Sad to say, um, Sad to say, the, yeah, <laughs> yes, Leah, I saw Leah Harris. She says, you're still going from today. I, I did take a nap when I got home. The sun absolutely zonked me. I was sitting in full sun. I probably got more vitamin D today than I've gotten in the last 10 years, cumulatively. So um, I was sitting in the sun all day, and it was I didn't even feel it until I got home. So tomorrow it's going to hurt. <laughs> but... Um, there was another article that came out this week that said that for every one child who is saved by the COVID vaccine, um, there will be 117 who will be killed by the COVID jab. So if you were given the odds, let's say you're given a gun and there are 118 chambers in that gun, and every single one of them was loaded except for one, would you put that gun to your child's head? I, I can't think of one sane person here who would. Absolutely not. Um, we are right now looking at the jab being able to kill an incredible number 
of our children and healthy young people in order to prevent an infection that has never actually been identified, isolated, or shown to exist um, with a, a jab that is experimental until at least 2023 in most cases, and one that we know will kill 117 children for every one that it saves. I think it's time for us to draw the line, not just reclaim the line, but draw the line. Um, there's an old expression, I think it's from Shakespeare, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Well, I got to tell you, uh, a woman scorned is nothing on a parent, a mother or a father, when they think that their children are being targeted with something that is going to harm or kill them. It is time for us parents to draw the line. It is time for us to say that we will not allow our precious babies, our children and our grandchildren to actually be devastated by this jab simply because the government wants to increase the numbers because they have signed contracts that we can't even see with companies like Pfizer and Moderna that require them to do certain things and require them to have a certain number of people vaccinated. Um, we cannot allow this to happen. If you as an adult decide that you're going to take the jab, that is your right. Children should not be getting this jab. Anyone in government who says that children should be getting this jab uh, this jab is guilty of war crimes, crimes against humanity, and they should and hopefully will be called up before a Nuremberg-type trial and held accountable in a court of law. Um, I think that there is not a judgment and a punishment that is severe enough for these people because when they come for innocent Australian babies, children, and young adults, it is time for us to take action against them. And the, the turnout at these rallies today and yesterday, I think, are a sign that we've had it. We've absolutely had it. It's done. It's done. The whole scamdemic is finished. It is done. We need to stop complying. We need civil disobedience. We need to stop signing in when we go places. We need to stop wearing masks. It's just virtue signaling. It does absolutely nothing to stop the spread of any viral illness. And any immunologist, any scientist will tell you that quite obviously. A cloth mask or even an N95 mask cannot stop the spread of a viral illness. So it's time for us to stop complying. It's time for us to being to stop being good little Aussies and it's time for us to stand up for our rights and for the rights of our children and um, if, if no other reason then we have to be the line between the government and our kids the government and our grandkids the government and our babies because if we don't stand up and protect them nobody else is going to do it the buck stops here and we need to be that that protection we need to be that line so um, we talk a lot about this today in the pre-record that I had with Naomi Cook, who is an amazing um, activist and an ex-nurse who basically, like so many nurses, um, has given up her job so that she can speak freely and not be in the system. Um, and 
for those of you who are watching, I just got a reminder in my mind that um, check out the latest video from Craig Kelly, um, MP. He talks an awful lot about how insane it is. We have the um, the Premier of Western Australia talking about how there is this unexpected um, drain on our uh, hospital systems in every single state and territory of Australia. They don't know why. He almost said it's because of reactions to vaccines, uh, the COVID jabs. But what he said is because of reactions to COVID. Uh, he didn't say the V word. So um, we have a situation where the hospitals during the entire pandemic, the scamdemic, the emergency departments were not full. The hospitals were handling it fine. Now that the scamdemic is supposedly over because we're at this high rate of vaccination, which is complete bullshit anyway, um, we, we have hospitals that are not able to handle the load that's coming in. We have whistleblowers in the hospitals saying that these are not people with COVID or any other condition. The people who are flooding into the hospitals are people who've gotten the jab and are reacting. And in the middle of this, we are we are firing, laying off tens of thousands across the country of nurses, doctors, other allied health professionals, physiotherapists, radiologists, all sorts of people um, are being let go because they are refusing to allow their bodies to be used in a clinical trial against their will. So um, if you think that the government policy has anything to do with health, you are so wrong because if it had to do with health, then the, the hospitals would be at full staff. Nobody would care whether you were jabbed or not because if you want to be protected against this and you think the jab is going to protect you, take the jab. It shouldn't matter what anyone else does. You don't need someone else to take a jab in order for your jab to work. That is insane. Absolutely insane. So um, I, I highly recommend that everybody looks at Craig Kelly's latest video because he talks about the 13 cases of myocarditis in South Australia and he talks about um, the way in which this whole thing is being handled so that the hospitals are understaffed at a time when people are flooding in with um, adverse reactions to the jab. Okay, now without further ado, I would like to go to my interview with Naomi and I hope that you will really enjoy this. So welcome, Naomi. Thank you so much for coming on to Under the Wire. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> no worries at all. Um, I'd like to start by talking about you a little bit. What is your history in the health profession and uh, how did you come at looking at the various issues that you're checking out now? Wow. Yeah, I have to like, this could like, it's actually like a memoir. So I'll try and keep it really... Go for it. No, <laughs> it take literally time. is a memoir. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've always had a passion for health, um, but I did study philosophy at uni when I was um, uh, an, an undergrad. And then I did a, a, a master's of nursing later on. Um, and yeah, so I qualified as a registered nurse. How many years ago now? It would have been, I guess, 14 years ago. Um, and, you know, I was a bit out of the box, but still mainstream. And it was my daughter's health challenge with a brain tumor and trying to keep her alive afterwards that really led to my awakening. Um, I, found, I found myself at odds with the very system that I was supposed to be part of. 
and that was yeah, that that was pretty radical and very um, uncomfortable a very uncomfortable place to be but it did lead me on this fantastic journey of awakening and took me out of the box and so yes fast forward a few years um it was 5g that ignited the activism stuff so that was 2019. do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with your daughter is she okay now yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I'm totally fine. So she, yes, I mean, we, she, she does have ongoing health challenges because she had a, a huge tumor age five and she was left with radical fallout. Um, it, it was, it was very scary. Um, she, she basically had rapid onset morbid obesity after the tumor was taken out. So this tiny little five-year-old girl was gaining a kilo a week. Wow. Um, and nothing would stop it, nothing. And I was just told to get used to it and to let them do their job. And they weren't doing anything that, you know, she, she had an expiry date on her with, with that rapid weight gain. So I, I had to do something. I had to try and find a way to heal her brain and, and stop the weight gain. And so there were the cup, a couple of medical world firsts with her actually. And one I got published in a, in a case report, the other one we had to leave the country to do. Um, but so she, she is, She's very well, but it is, it's an ongoing journey. Mm. Yeah. And you said you had to leave the country. Was it because the treatment you were looking for was not available where you were living or? We had, we had found somebody who would help a surgeon who was going to help us. Mm. Um, and a hospital eventually agreed to do it, but we couldn't get pediatricians on board just to oversee the case while she was in the, yeah. So even her own doctors, you know, wouldn't help. Um, so yeah, we left, we went to Egypt, um, where my husband is from and we got it done there and yeah, it, it was successful and it did stabilize the weight gain. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, it enabled us to then focus more on brain healing and things that her tumor did then come back afterwards. But again, that was taken out successfully, but sh she is, she's well. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. It's, it's amazing to me when I hear stories like that, because, there's so many experimental things that doctors do all the time to patients, but when you as a parent or you as an individual, I mean, it's worse as a parent because you have fewer rights, but if you as an individual want to try something um, that you think may help, especially when you've been given that use by date uh, diagnosis, prognosis, um, the fact that you can't get anyone to help you is just beyond belief. Why did they go into medicine in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. They, um, they don't want to step outside the box. That's what we were seeing. Um, and when you're desperate to save your child and you will try anything and to meet with that resistance and to be told just to step back and just be a parent, and, you know, I, I was worried too, like we, we left the country in the end without, because we had some media, we had a lot of media coverage actually. Um, and yeah, we, we, I left the country without telling anybody that I was going just in case somebody reported me to dogs that I was wow. taking her out to get this done. I and mean, I don't think anybody would have, but it was, it's a risk. It is. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really amazing that there are so many poor children who are going through terrible abuse who docs or facts or whatever they're called in your state do nothing to help 
I mean, every year in New South Wales, I heard a ridiculous statistic like Docs loses 800 children every year that are in their care and they're just gone. They have no idea what happened to them. But if you choose to feed oh. your child, um, you know, natural foods, if you use homeopathy, if you want to use natural therapies, all of a sudden they show up at your doorstop and tell you that you're an irresponsible parent. Um, it's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of parents have these concerns. So good on you yes. for actually doing that. And I'm so glad that your daughter is better. That's great. Thanks. So <laughs> let's get back on to talking about um, your career. So you were a registered nurse and you were working in the system. And then yeah. what happened? Yes, I was. I was working in primary health care. Um, and, um, and then I stopped working clinically um, it was a, a, a long time ago. So I haven't worked clinically for a very long time, but I still was doing some nursing things. Um, and yeah, and so it was really um, 2019 that I began to get involved with the activism. Um, that was the 5G year. That was when 5G just yeah, began to explode in our consciousness globally. And it was the beginning of 2019 um, that I'd already been aware that, Wi-Fi, for example, was probably bad to have on at night. And I'd got my new home tested when we moved in here six years ago just to check for EMR. So I was aware. But it wasn't something that was really something that I was really focused on. But beginning of 2019, um, yeah, I was aware that 5G, there was whispers about 5G. And I thought, oh, just do a bit of reading on it. And so um, I did a bit of reading on it. And I thought, gosh, this this hasn't had any biological safety testing. This is this is um this is this is pretty serious and i thought oh i should probably start talking about this you know start raising awareness and i just thought i really don't want to be an activist i just i don't want to do it so maybe i'll just do it for maybe a couple of months and get some others on board and then i can just then i can go back to the garden <laughs> just, just... I'm sorry that's really funny <laughs> just just two months that, that was it just just a couple of months, then everyone else can take over and then yeah, I can just no, chill out. It doesn't work that way. Being an activist is like checking into the Hotel California. You are stuck. You will never leave. <laughs> I know, because it's like three years later now. <laughs> Tell me when you get to 30 and I'll talk to you about oh, it. Yes. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, but you know, so you decided that you were going to start informing people about the risks of 5G. And what sort of responses were you having when you spoke with people? I'm assuming a lot of people really had no idea that there was any problem. Yeah. Like looking back, it's almost like quite fairy tale because so much has happened since then. Like I missed the 5G days, really. Life was so simple just being a 5G activist and um, yeah, you know, all the things that we did. So what happened was it was it was an amazing year. You know, there was just a few of us who were talking about it at the beginning of 2019, like literally just a few of us globally. And then these networks began to explode. Here in Australia, we were just connecting and like we had the um, we had some Facebook groups and all of a sudden there were like 20 Facebook groups. And then, you know, people globally were talking about it. And we began to connect and it just was it was phenomenal. But yes, we were the tinfoil hatters um, and there was a lot of resistance um, in the collective to what we were saying and suggesting. But at the same time, you know, awareness was increasing, absolutely. 
but it really began to explode i think in 2020 when the beginning of covid there was this rumor you know going around about 5g causing covid that's when the 5g movement got even bigger but 2019 all that groundwork was done with all of those early groups yeah tell me a little bit about how that connection with with 5g and covid started and if there's any evidence about that i know um here's the thing i mean i i don't know exactly how it started and so like with every psyops um you know that there's always some truth in there as well and, and and i just don't know but my thoughts are i think so when when you get the 60 gigahertz frequency that's the resonant frequency i think i think it's the resonant frequency of oxygen so so say if you got that frequency going on and oxygen's being impacted it, it might make sense that people have breathing problems so so that was what that was how i saw a potential link but as far as i was aware 60 gigahertz wasn't actually deployed on a global scale at that point and it, and it, it still isn't i think it's 26 that's the highest that's been auctioned off so right so so what that about in yeah. wuhan in wuhan were they using 60 gigahertz exactly and who knows mm. maybe and then the other side of it is arthur Furstenberg's philosophy is from the invisible rainbow book and he talks about how changes in electromagnetic frequencies impact upon i guess you could say immune function but cause you know outbreaks pandemics so could that be interlinked as well um and I think then you go into the whole minefields of the, the, you know, the germ theory itself. And, and what does it actually mean to have a virus? Can you actually catch a virus? Is it an energetic signaling to detox? And then, you know, mind's blown. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It raises so many questions for people who are actually thinking, um, which unfortunately a lot of people are not. Yeah. So you know, we, we do have these questions about 5G. And um, I, I discussed not long ago the fact that those cruise ships that came back into Australia, yeah. which were the first places where we actually saw people who were diagnosed with COVID, um, they were the first ships that actually turned on 5G. Yeah. And they had those huge yeah. 5G antennas on the top of the ship. So is yep. there a possible connection? I know correlation yep. doesn't equal causation. We're told exactly. that all the time. Yep. But uh, when you see correlation time and time again, you have to wonder. So you yep. were talking about the safety studies for 5G. Have there been any safety studies whatsoever? Um, I think that there are, there are some studies looking at certain frequencies in the proposed 5G spectrum. So but because 5G is like it's a collection of frequencies and pulsations and nanopulsations so we talk about 5g it could be anything within that so so to actually you know say that you've tested 5g you would have to look at the all the proposed range of frequencies pulsations and nanopulsations and you would really to say whether or not it's safe you would have to also put them within the sandwich of other frequencies that we're exposed to from the 4g um you know from the wi-fi router and all of that so so has 5g you know in all its proposed range of frequencies pulsations and nanopulsations been biologically safety tested no but within that spectrum there are some studies i think there's for example there may be one study looking at this is horrible 
the impact of millimeter wave on like the eyes of a rabbit, like that, that kind of thing. Like you will find some things in the, in the literature, but not proper safety testing. Yeah, um, we've spoken on the show a couple of times with someone you're probably aware of, Renat Strahlhofer from We Are Not Sam. And, Brilliant. Uh, she, she is. She's amazing. And she's shown us that uh, that safety study that they do where they have the plastic head that's filled with water. And the only test is to see whether the um, the, the phone, the mobile phone that's that's picking up 5G signals uh, raises the temperature of the water. And if it doesn't raise it by a certain amount, it's assumed to be safe. It's the most ridiculous, unscientific test ever. And yes. uh, yeah, it, it, it is amazing to me. And in relation to COVID, it, it makes so much sense, not just the connection between causality between 5G and COVID symptoms, but the fact that the governments of the world, the manufacturers and corporations of the world feel that it is within their power to make these decisions that could possibly adversely affect everyone. Yeah. Um, why do they feel, I mean, I'm asking you a yeah. question you can't answer, but <laughs> I, I just wonder how we reach this point where we as a population of supposedly sentient beings um, are allowing others to treat us as if we were com completely incapable of thinking for ourselves. I know. I know. That's the thing. And the problem is, the problem is so many have temporarily, I'm going to be optimistic, temporarily become incapable of thinking for themselves because they're literally entrained with the frequencies of what they're watching on their, their TV and their feeds, their Facebook feeds. Yep. But yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm not going to say that it, they, you know, that they're permanently like that, but right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. I'm actually hoping for an EMP <laughs> just yeah. to knock out all of the communication yeah. so that people actually have to talk to each other again and wake up. And yeah. I think it might be the only thing that'll save us at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. All of our communications are just totally destroyed. Yeah, because yeah. I, I agree with you. I think we are in this state of mass hypnosis yeah. and um, I don't know why we are immune to it. Um, there's I no know. vaccine for it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be the way that things go. So, so you started to become an activist. You've been an activist for three years now. Are you finding over this time, you said at the beginning, people really had no idea. Are you reaching a point now where you're talking to people about this and they're saying, yeah, that's right. I heard about this and it's a real problem. Or are they still asleep? You know, it's so hard to say because my own networks have grown so much over the last few years. So everyone in my network is aware of it. So it feels like everybody is. <laughs> but I'm told that it's not the case and that we're in the minority. So, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. Um, I do think that, okay, so I do believe in this, this Rupert Sheldrake's theory of morphic resonance that you know, when you start, when more and more people within a collective start doing something and thinking something that then it, it attaches and it spreads so so yes I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I do think people are becoming more aware of these things um but that just made me completely naive but yeah 
that's what I want to think. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the hundredth monkey. I haven't heard it, of Rupert Sheldrake. Yeah, it sounds very much it, like that. It was based on his theory. That, that's okay. exactly it. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I've always been waiting for that hundredth monkey to arrive. I know. I know. Where is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But for those who are watching this who don't know the story of the hundredth monkey, and if you can send me the information on Sheldrake also, I will definitely attach links to it because it's one of those things that all through the whole time I've been working on the vaccination issue, I keep thinking in the back of my head, we're getting there. We're getting to that hundredth yes. monkey situation. And, you know, yeah. I actually do think it is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. And I think with the, and this is sad that it's going to take, and it is taking vaccine injuries mm -hmm. to put people there, but it is, you know, and it's suffering that has brought many of us, here and where we're here because of suffering like if it wasn't for my daughter and her brain tumor I wouldn't be sitting here today because that put me on my journey so exactly. it's suffering that's that's expanded our consciousness yeah and and mm -hmm. my son's reaction was why I started looking into this too there's nothing like personal experience to all of a sudden make you decide that maybe you want to know more yeah. and uh you know in a way our children are our best teachers and yep. yeah they're telling us what we need to know if we only listen to them Yes. So, yeah. All right. So you started out with 5G and then COVID happened. So tell me yeah. a little bit about how that morphed into yeah. activism <sighs> on COVID. I know. Oh, I just wistful about the 5G days. Seriously, they're just so simple. Just looking back. Um, yeah, I guess I was already sort of speaking out. So growing my platform, you know, my page on Facebook and things. And so I already had a bit of a platform so when COVID happened, it was just like, oh, come on, this is just, this is so obviously a psyop. I'm, I'm not saying people are not getting sick. Like I'm, I'm not, not out there. Like I know that people are getting sick with something and some people are dying of something. So, um, but yeah, so I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't keep quiet. You know, it was just compulsive to just keep sharing and like, look at this, look at this. This is just guys, wake up, wake up, wake up. That was last year. Um, and then I just, I guess it was the anticipation. We all knew the vaccine was coming. We all knew it was all about the vaccine. Um, and yeah, so here I am still doing the same thing <laughs> a year later. It's still the same story. So you knew straight away when you first saw those videos out of Wuhan that the whole thing was basically yes. a setup. I, you know what? Actually, a 5G friend came around just before, I think, our first lockdown. And I said to her, I reckon this is the dress rehearsal. I don't think it's the thing that we've been waiting for, that we knew this was in the pipeline for years. Like, we've known it's coming. I reckon it's the dress rehearsal. She said, no, 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 I think it's the real deal. I was like, really? Yeah, and it was it's the real deal. <laughs> I was <laughs> well, wrong. It's a real deal because yeah. Marburg is the next one coming down the pike. The people who they didn't uh, convince about COVID, they'll terrify about Marburg, they feel. Um, yes. Hopefully we've done a good enough job at least waking yes. up our communities and growing yes. them. So so you started questioning on Facebook. Are you still on Facebook? Yes, I'm t I am. <laughs> um, I was Naomi Cook, former registered nurse, but I have changed the Facebook page name to Tinkerbell, former fairy, because the, tro <laughs> <laughs> the trolling, the trolling, the trolling was bad. Yep. <laughs> So tink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like I should clap my hands. I don't know why. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah. So you've you've still got your community on Facebook. Um, we've had one of our pages closed down, but we still have the other one 
so far. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty amazing the censorship that's going on. And I'm yeah. assuming you would have you know felt some of that as well. Um, so you said that with 5G, your community was growing. Did it grow more with COVID? Massively. Mm. And that was what led to um, the media interest. So it was the Four Corners. ABC Four Corners were fascinated by the sudden massive growth in the Australians for Safe Technology Facebook page, which just exploded over a three-week period. And um, I spoke at a rally, I think it was in May, Sydney, uh, last year, and I got approached by the reporter for the Four Corners. And he wanted to do a story on 5G and, you know, why had our group grown so much? And I was then still registered as a nurse, but I thought, yeah, and I can share the science. I can have an intellectual conversation with him about 5G and our, our concerns. It could be a good platform. Yeah, right. So naive. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. They just made us look like total nutters, nutters. Oh, my goodness. Neo-Nazis, whatever it is they say. Um, so, yeah, that, that led to some backlash. And my first uh, complaint to the HCCC, um, and then I think the Daily Mail did a hit piece, which was just totally fictitious, rubbishy stuff. And then that led to like another three complaints. So then I got called in for um, a counselling session. Counselling. Um, yes. May as well call it re-education. I think that's I know. What they should. <laughs> I know, I know, I know they didn't want to, like I prepared about 8,000 words, you know, backing up my stance on 5G and, you know, uh, wireless communication. They didn't read any of it. They just told me that I was, yeah, out of my code of conduct. So I just thought if they're actually saying that this is beyond my code of conduct to be speaking about safe tech at a rally, that I don't don't want to be registered anymore. That's it. I'm done. That's so it. I just surrendered it. Left. And, you know, yeah. part of me feels that, What's happening now in the medical profession with doctors and nurses and other health professionals getting deregistered is they are basically ensuring that whoever is left is nothing more than sycophantic yes men and women. And, no. um, and that's not going to do anyone any good except the pharmaceutical industry. It's going to yeah. help them in, in, you know, incomparably. Yes. Um, so, so you are no longer working as a nurse. You are no longer working um, registered with opera or any of those other bodies. And it's so funny, the HCCC, because uh, we had complaints to, about us to the HCCC as well. And that was around the same time that the Butcher of Bega um, I don't know if you know of him because you may not have lived in Australia at yeah. that time. That was over 10 years ago. It was about 2008. This is a guy, Graham, I forget his last name, but his nickname was the Butcher of Bega. And he maimed over 500 women. He was a, I don't know if he was a gynecologist, but he did surgeries on these wow. women removed their clitorises, you know, made wow. their, like closed up their vaginas. He, he was wow. obviously quite misogynistic and he, he damaged and harmed a lot of women. And there were hundreds and hundreds of complaints about him to the HCCC and they did nothing until the media got on board. But we had one complaint about the AVN and myself and within a matter of days, the HCCC was investigating us and it was in the media. So, I mean, they are so not on the yeah. side of, of who they're supposed Truth. to be supporting. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, going through an HCCC investigation is quite uh, stressful and time consuming. Um, did you find it that way as well? You know, I really did. And I'm, you know, I, I, I did. I really, really did. And I actually still have the emails in my inbox. I haven't deleted them. I don't know why, 
but when I see them, I actually feel sick. Like <laughs> it was stressful. Yeah, it was really them. stressful. Don't throw them away. Good. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Okay. You'll write a book one day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah, it is. It, it's it's quite surreal because, and I've heard others say this too. They're not interested in truth. That they're not interested in it. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, that the 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 fictitious complaint, like they were re they were reading out some of the things that had been that, that they had written about, and I was like, but that's not true, and that's not true, but yeah, it, it was quite severe. I had a lawyer with me because it was all done by by Zoom as well, but yeah, it, it it wasn't a pleasant experience. At the end of it, one of them told me that um, she was so mean. <laughs> she just said, she said. Um, as a, as a member of the community, Naomi, I'm extremely concerned by what you were doing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just want to help people. There's your problem because they don't. Yeah. They don't. Yes. It is quite obvious to anyone who's ever um, had any interactions with the HCCC that uh, their, their reason is not what they were set up for. They were set up to protect the health of the community from dangerous doctors. And instead, they're... Yeah actually protecting dangerous doctors from the community yes. yep. and uh, it's quite sad and, and very concerning um, yes. that, that they are behaving in that manner. So you have had, in, did you interact with opera at all as well? I think the complaints may have gone to opera originally and then it went to the HCCC and then that was funneled to the Nursing and Midwifery Council. Right, right. Um, yeah. Who, I mean, they're supposed to be supporting you. It's like a, you know. I know. And, and none of these organizations that are set up to represent nurses and midwives actually do that. Um, I actually heard today for the first time that there is not one doctor on opera, that all the people on opera are bureaucrats except for one registered yeah. nurse. And that's that makes it. sense. And I never knew that, but it doesn't surprise me. They're yeah, coming between me. doctors and patients, yeah. nurses and patients, but they don't even have the expertise to know what yes. they're talking about. Yeah. So that's quite, quite frightening. Um, so, yeah, you, you basically have been through the mill and you've come out the other end. How do you feel about the whole system now when you think about it? I, and you know what? I try really hard not to be too polarized. But, um, you know, I'm, I, I do think that it's broken. I really do. I think it's a broken system. Um, I, yeah, that's the truth. But to avoid being too polarizing, it has saved my daughter's life as well. Because if it wasn't for the system and pharmaceuticals literally do keep her alive, she has to take hormones um, to replace because her pituitary gland doesn't work anymore. So... Do you know what I mean? So I, she, she's, she's, she is a, a balancer for me. I can stay balanced and not be too anti. I think mm. just going into anti further perpetuates a, a divided tomorrow. So I'm grateful for that. She reminds me to not fling myself too far away and to hate the system, which is broken. We know that it is, but yeah. I can balance myself out a bit. But it, it's, it saved her life and keeps her alive every day. And it's true, you know, even people who don't, like myself, I don't see doctors and I don't take pharmaceutical drugs. The idea is that if I'm in a situation where I need that sort of help, I will, I will accept it. I will take it. it it's saying that I'm not going to do it on a regular basis. It's not saying 
it doesn't have a place in society. Yes. It's just not the be all and end all. Yes. And what I see in Western medicine is that they want to exclude any other form of health care um, and be yeah. a monopoly. And that's monopoly is yes. not good for anyone except those profiting from it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So good on you. It's, it's like a, the system, the medical, the health care, which the disease care system, it's like an infant, isn't it? It's just an infant. It's, it's in its stages of infancy with regards to how it understands what it actually means to be well and full of vitality. So maybe, maybe I should shift away from seeing it as broken and seeing it that way because there's room for growth. And if in you know some amazing future timeline <laughs> that I would like to see happen, you know, it can start to reintegrate does it, yeah, is that possible? Or does it just need to be dismantled and start from scratch? These are the philosophical questions that go around in my head every day. I don't know. We need to get it out of the terrible twos and have it grow up a little bit then. Yes, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. So you you segued from 5G to COVID. And when you started looking at COVID, I mean, I don't know if this is the order, but I've seen a couple of your videos where you've been speaking about the use of the COVID jabs, and again, I will not call them vaccines, but the COVID jabs on pregnant women. And our government has basically, not basically, our government has said that this jab is safe at any point in a woman's pregnancy from the time she falls pregnant till just before she delivers. And they are saying that it's been tested at the top of the statement, but then if you look down at the bottom, it says, well, we actually haven't seen any problems that are reported to us, so therefore it must be safe. I mean, that's yeah. how science works, right? So yeah. tell me a bit about how you became interested in the jab being given during pregnancy. Did you work as a midwife when you were nursing? No. I didn't, and, and I can't really explain why. Like, when, when that statement was released by, it was Atagi and Ranscog, they released this joint statement in June, and I just felt, like, I just felt enraged. I thought, so it was white fury. And um, oh, I've just got to do something with this. And I don't, I don't know why I was so triggered by it, but it was a massive trigger. I thought, okay, I recognize it's a trigger. I better do something with this rather than just rant and rave on Facebook. So um, I decided to send an FOI to Ranscog and Atagi um, when they made a statement saying they said that the Pfizer vaccine should be offered, should be offered at all stages of pregnancy. That's what they said. And then as you say, then they say that surveillance data so far hasn't shown any problems. So I thought, <clears throat> all right, because we have to work towards an evidence base, show me the evidence. So in my FOI, I said, I'd like a list of the studies that you, know, you used to create this statement that it should be offered at all stages in pregnancy. So um, actually, Atagi haven't sent me anything. Um, surprise, surprise, nothing. Um, they don't have any studies to send me. So I, I need to dig again on that one. They said they haven't got any studies to send me. But Ranscog, who don't actually have to respond to an FOI, apparently they don't have to because they're a private entity. Um, they did send me a list of studies and eight studies. And as you know from the video that I made, um, there's nothing in there that provides a robust scientific foundation to support that statement that it should be offered at all stages and they they're so sneaky they're so sneaky because on that joint statement that was released by Ranscog and Atagi it doesn't say anywhere on that statement the vaccine is safe it just says it should be offered 
And that makes me mad. Yeah, because the, the way they phrased it, the way they framed that statement, it would make anyone who read it on the surface think that, oh, this is perfectly safe. It's been tested and it's great. And, um, you know, the, the, the evidence from the small studies that have been coming out are showing anything but. Uh, so now I also just today spoke with a solicitor who told me that FOIs, depending on the state or, or the federal jurisdiction that you're sending them to, they are required by law to respond within a certain period of time. It could be 28 days, 30 days, or 45 days. And if they don't respond, then you can go, and it's a very simple process, she said, because we have several FOIs that are well and truly overdue. She said it's a very simple process. You can actually go to court, and it, you don't need a lawyer. You don't need to do anything. I'm going to find the exact process, and I will publish this. Awesome. But I think everybody who's been filing FOIs, because <laughs> in the beginning we were getting answers very quickly, but I think they're completely overloaded with FOIs and they're so. not answering them anymore <laughs> so yeah good on you for doing that but so it's uh, explain also I know it's hockey is the Australian Technical Advisory yeah. Group on Immunization what is RANSCOG or did yes. I say that right yes thank you yeah 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 yes RANSCOG it's so it's a college it's the um it's the Royal um Australian I think in New Zealand College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists right okay so it's like one of those bodies that yeah you can get membership to I think as a you know when you become qualified and those bodies give out then you know input to whoever is in their membership so and that's what I was saying like the people on like on the street the people like you know working on the ground will look to this body for their expert ad advice right. so they'll assume that these guys did the research and looked at the literature they'll think okay i haven't got time to do it because i've got to go deliver a baby or you know or do a vaginal swab i'm busy so they're going to rely on ranscog for their input and they haven't done it that's the whole thing they didn't do it like there's there's not there's that's not evidence and they could say like the, the, the strongest study that they have was what you and i have talked about it it's it's a it's it's a, a, a i wouldn't even it's not a study it's a report right because it's just gleaning data from a surveillance system, which is a self-reporting system. And now the paper has changed since it's been updated. So I, I don't even know if the original paper exists, but the one I had access to from them was created in April. And they, they, I, I highlighted this to Ranscog in my reply. This was their strongest paper that they sent me. And this is a quote from the paper. We were unable to evaluate adverse outcomes that might occur in association with exposure, obviously to the jab, earlier in pregnancy, such as congenital anomalies, because no pregnant persons who were vaccinated early in pregnancy have had live births captured in the V-safe pregnancy, pregnancy registry to date. Follow-up is ongoing. So, and that may have changed since, since then, but the thing yeah. is, that was what they were going off. So in other words, they were saying that they gave the jab to these women, but none of them had actually given birth at that point in the study, so they couldn't really tell you anything. And, and the other studies, the other seven studies they provided you weren't even looking at this information. No, no, there, no, there was, there was three of those eight were just looking at how bad COVID is in pregnancy. Okay. <laughs> and then there was, there was, there was, Referencing CDC, that's like referencing your BFF. Like that, that's not, that's not, that's not science. It's Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Exactly. Wikipedia level. 
Plus the World Health Organization as well, sorry, doesn't count. And then, and then there were two looking at the immune modulating effects of the vaccine, but that's not looking at safety for, for the baby. No. So, no. rubbish. And, and there have been, I don't think that we actually have too much information on this in Australia, but there have been almost 2,000 miscarriages reported to VAERS in the United States. I think it was 1,800 and something. And that we know only represents about 1% of the total miscarriages that would have been occurring. And there doesn't seem to be any sense of alarm or urgency on the part of the regulators. There doesn't seem to be any attempt to actually discover we are using jabs that are by definition experimental we are yeah. in a phase three trial all the other vaccines for covid or sars which had been issued you know were not issued none of them were licensed which were studied in the last 20 years never got out of phase three trials because of safety problems but now we have a phase three trial where the entire population is involved and there are huge safety signals coming out at every aspect of this study. And the government is saying it's perfectly safe. It's wonderful. Please just take it. As a matter of fact, let's mandate it and make sure you take mm. it or you will be a prisoner in your home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, these pregnant women who are taking this jab, are they making an informed choice? Yeah, exactly. Definitely not because the doctors aren't even informed they should be it's their duty to be but i understand that they're busy and they're relying on their college to inform them but then i guess gps are probably giving it as well they should all be all of these doctors are responsible for what they're doing i'm not you know they, they should be but i understand that they're kind of deferring to their authorities you know and, and but, but but it's wrong it's wrong they're morally responsible but they're not yeah. financially or legally responsible because just like the drug companies my understanding is that they are also indemnified from prosecution. The nurses aren't, but the doctors are. And yeah. I don't think most nurses are aware that they can be held accountable if they give this jab and someone gets a reaction, but the doctors cannot be held accountable as far as I know. Yeah. Same. And so why would, there is no incentive for them to look at this. There's no incentive for them to actually discover what they need to tell their patients. So they're only telling them exactly what you said, what the government and what yep. these organizations, these, you know, ba yep. basically yep. lobby groups are telling yep. them. So we have a situation now where, um, the, the, you know, NH and MRC, the Department of Health, the TGA, they all say that it is essential that everybody make an informed choice about any medical decision and that there is never any form of coercion or pressure applied to anyone to make a decision. And yet, what are we seeing with the COVID jabs? It's mind blowing. Like, actually, you know, back in the day, I actually, um, I was sponsored by my local, I think, I don't know what it was called back then, like a division of general practice. I was sponsored to do the three month course to become an authorized nurse immunizer. So I did that. Like I, I was an authorized nurse immunizer back in the day. And um, yeah, like the take home point is that vaccines shouldn't be coerced. Um, hello? <laughs> <laughs> but if people won't take them, we have no option but to coerce them. It's for the yeah, good of society. Yes. yes. Um, even yeah. though we admit that the vaccine doesn't protect them and doesn't stop oh, them from spreading it. The mind is officially blown it's got, um, yeah. looking at this information. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's really 
concerning to see the number of people who are just giving in. And I'm sure that you see this too. People who are, you know, this whole time, the nurses, they and the doctors, they've been our heroes. They've been there mm. at the coalface taking care mm. of people in difficult situations, supposedly, even though the hospitals have been empty for most yeah. of the epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> now they're completely chockers. You know? Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> So yeah, it's um, it it's really difficult to try and see how we can reach more people. The the frustration of being an activist is the number of people who are not listening to us crying in the wilderness. But what is your experience with this? Are we actually reaching people? Are we changing the hearts and minds of people? You know, it's so, and I think I think about this every day. Like, and I do think that this is this is our work because, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I have quite a spiritual outlook on it. I think, and I, I do think that inner change has to be there before you can witness outer change. So, I think the activist is on a journey, you know, themselves, and um, I do think energetically that resisting something does lead to that playing out continually. And often in, in the rallies, when I get to speak at rallies, one thing that I do say is that, you know, we're actually not the resistance because what you resist persists. We're the persistence persisting in creating change that we want to unfold. So it took me a long time to call myself an activist because I didn't want to be actively resisting that that I don't want. I want to be a bringer of change, but I know that the word activist is something that we all understand. Like we all get it. Like we, we all know what we're doing. Mm. So on a daily basis, my work personally, and I can only speak for myself is just to look at myself and, and to, to work on any feelings of resistance that I have there and, and to try and work through that and to work on persisting and creating the reality that I do want. And I guess I, I'm, I'm learning to let go of looking at the out for the results um, I believe they will come and, and are coming and are already here and reflect the work that we've already done. Um, does that make sense? I know it's, it may even sound quite woo-woo to people, but... No, no, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and I know for me personally, dealing with anger has been one of my hardest things because I do, I, I listen to people lying. I listen to Scott Morrison lying and, oh. and Scarrett and all these people who are making decisions that affect the lives and health of the entire nation. And they absolutely don't care what, whether or not their policies are killing people, whether or not they're putting children at risk of harm. Um, right now, we have five-year-olds who are going to be targeted by this vaccine, this jab, very soon. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to start with six months old. And I, I, I see red when I think about that. I, I literally know. see red because these yeah. people are innocent and they are relying on their parents to do the yeah. right thing for them. And their parents are relying on the doctors and the governments to tell them yeah. the right thing. And yeah. what they're doing is relying on liars and Yes, uh, it's it does make me very angry. And I know that that's something that is not healthy for me. And it's yeah. not healthy for the work that I'm doing. So that yeah. you're I, I think you're absolutely right. We need to work on ourselves as well. Yeah. 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 It's very difficult. Yeah. Mm. It's, it is. Yeah, I know. 
because when you you know you are in this sphere you know and you're sharing these things you are confronted daily with these uncomfortable things that do bring up these you know strong emotions i've got some friends who've just totally withdrawn from it because they can't they they don't they they just want to be in a better frequency so they they do withdraw from it but we have the challenge of bridging the new world that we want to bring through but we're still very much connected to that old rubbish stuff because we're trying to build that bridge yeah that's true mm. and and you're right it is it is hard to be around an activist 24 7. um it is really hard because we are so obsessed i guess i don't, I don't like using that word but i feel that way sometimes it's i i'm a very much uh, an example um i i don't read newspapers anymore but when i used to read newspapers and see the ads the word vacation would get me every single time. I would say, oh, it's about vaccination. And yeah. I could look at it. No, no, it's vacation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've been there. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, yeah, we have to find that balance. And I think that a lot of the people who are new to this issue are having struggles finding that balance also because it does take over your life your mind and you have to yeah. learn to breathe and it may yeah. take a long time it's taken me 25 years to learn to breathe and i yeah. think that um, we all need to do that because otherwise we're going to burn out and we're not going to yes. be any good for anyone at all so I mean, we started yeah. off talking about vaccination and 5G and we're sort of yeah. on a group uh, therapy session. But, yes. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's useful, too, to let people know what it's like doing yeah. something like this and that. Would you change anything? Would you would you stop doing what you've done for the last three years because you found how hard it is? You know, it's just like a calling and it's something that I don't particularly want to be doing this but I have to and it does bring me into a feeling of like I'm, I'm doing what I came here to do do you know what I mean so it's like something it chooses you <laughs> you know yeah you, you 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 don't choose this but it chooses you so you just got to keep doing it um and I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't change anything I mean oh my goodness I've met the most amazing people through this work the most amazing stuff this has been amazing the past three years transformative just networks exploding that's brilliant that is so yeah. brilliant and I think you're right you know as as hard as it can be at times the satisfaction of actually helping other people and of growth within yourself yes also is worth it so yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't change a thing, but <laughs> I certainly would never have have changed what path. what have done. Yeah, that that path mm. that I'm on. Mm. Um, so yeah. Now mm. let's let's get off of the group therapy session and back to the COVID <laughs> for a few minutes. Um, what with with the pregnancy and the young children um, being targeted do you think is there going to be a point where people are going to look at their kids and think i know that you're not at risk from covid i know that because i've been told that all along so is it really worth me giving you this jab you don't have to go to work 
Um, if you can't yeah. go to school, I'll homeschool you. But, yeah. uh, you know, is, it, is there any reason why I should do this? Is there going to reach a point where the majority of parents are going to say, get stuffed, government, we're not, we're not sacrificing our children at your altar? I know. I also, I also think about this daily. And I do think that I think the majority are going to do it because they're just so they're hypnotized. And like you say, the facts are there. So this is where I feel I guess I feel a bit less sorry for them taking advice from, you know, government and things because the, the, the facts are there they know we all know it because mainstream media has been feeding them this for a year they know the kids are not at risk and they know that the jabs don't stop transmission they know it they actually know this so if they then go and do it this is this is this is their this is their yeah this is their free will to do that and it's so sad that their kids are going to pay for it Yep. Big, 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 big mistakes. But I, it does seem, at least I live in an area, like it thinks like the highest vaccinated area of like New South Wales. <laughs> so I, yeah, <laughs> I know, this is where I live. This is where I live. And I think they're all going to do it. But maybe it's different in other suburbs. You know, this, I'm in a hotspot of that. It's so maybe it will be different. Yeah, where I am on the North Coast, I think there are going to be less parents doing it, but... I Good. don't know. Yeah, I do. I do feel that there's a lot of awake people up here, but uh, I don't know what it's like in the in the rest of the world and the rest yes. of the country in actual reality. Um, I like my little enclave of um, <laughs> of awakeness. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and and what we're seeing, I I showed a picture when I spoke with um, Dr. McCullough the other day. From the UK, I'm pretty sure it was a, the side of a bus, and it said children oh, yeah. can have strokes too. Yeah. And I'm like, this is how they're preparing. Yeah. And I heard a story this morning. I yeah. think the town is called Renmark in South Australia, which is a very small town, only a few thousand people there. Thirteen young boys were diagnosed with myocarditis over one week, and they said it was only mild. And the truth is there's no such thing as mild myocarditis. And if those sorts of stories are not going to wake people up, yes. I just yes. don't know what will. Um, exactly. When it comes down to it, uh, the government has become like Jimmy Jones and we're all the people drinking the Kool-Aid. If yeah, yeah, we yeah, follow yeah. along with that, um, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Uh, we need to wake them up. We need an alarm yeah. clock that, that <laughs> reaches across yeah. all of Australia. Um, with, with your work and your activism and your Facebook page, um, are you finding that more and more people are getting involved? We have a lot of keyboard warriors and I, I think keyboard, you know, there could be a place for that, yes. but it's the face to face, the interactions that we have with people in real life that are more what's needed. Do you find that people are finding their courage and actually speaking instead of just chatting online that's a tough one too um because like all my friends are like me <laughs> um and i guess you know, we've all been very sort of isolated we've been locked down and people aren't going out it, that's difficult you just so you mean talking face to face with people like that's actually right. like out on the street being brave yeah, that's right I do it, you know. I'll I'll talk to people. Um, I, 
there, there was, I forget where I was the other day and, and I was talking to someone and he was wearing a mask and I said, if you're wearing that for me, you really don't need to go ahead and take it off. And he said, oh, thank you so much. It was a grocery store and he took it yes. off. So, yes, yeah. people are doing that. I'm seeing that. Like I'm seeing in my Facebook groups. That's where I get the information. So yes, people are, um, yes, challenging things like that. And I would say so. Um, people are testing the waters with the you know the whole vaccine uh, passport thing mm. and seeing who will let them in. So um, I think people are. I I personally feel now also. I think at the beginning of lockdown there was a lot of tension in the collective. And, and I, obviously I never wore a mask, but it was almost a bit nerve wracking going out with that one because there was a lot of tension in the air. Like it, it was actually a bit nerve wracking. Whereas now it's not. And now I feel if somebody did approach me and was mean, I would actually be able to defend myself perfectly fine and not be frightened by it. Like a few months back, it was different. So I think, I think everyone's feeling. So if you're saying that, I'm feeling that. Maybe yeah. there is a shift now. We're feeling braver. I think so. And I think mm. even the people who took the jab, are starting to see the ridiculousness. Yes. They they heard the Minister for Health um, talk about the fact that, you know, in six months to get your vaccination certificate, look at the date. And if it's six months since you've had that jab, it's time for your booster. And I think a lot of them are saying, uh-uh, you got me twice, you're not going to get me again. Good. And Good. I think people are finally waking up. The, and, and people, like the last rally that I went to at the border, there were a lot of people there who had gotten the jab and ah. they were there supporting the nurses and doctors and pilots and teachers who were going to lose their job because they hadn't. And I think what we're seeing now finally is the unity among people, whether they have or have not, they all support humanity. And uh, that's really good. That's amazing feedback. Cause you know, as I said, I, I live in like vaccine hotspot city. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh, hard to, to get. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not seeing yet much other than like, for example, I was told last week that I actually can't come to see my daughter's school play in a few weeks time because I'm not double jabs. I don't know how I'm going to navigate that. So that kind of stuff is what I'm facing at the moment in my particular area. I imagine that other areas may be a little bit more, I don't know. I'm not saying that they're going to like, outright go against government mandates but they might find ways around it well we have so. some good letters on our website that you might find useful that you can use okay. with the school so yes. and they were written by Probably. lawyers so go and okay. check out our website and just search for the word letter and if you need okay. any help let me know i will so, yeah because yeah. i'm i'm gonna see that school play <laughs> that's it absolutely and you should i mean your daughter mm. deserves to have you there mm. so that's insane mm. and what are they actually afraid of you know if the people who want to get jabbed have gotten jabbed and it's not going to stop yeah. them getting it and it's not going to stop them spreading it then how does it concern you um if, exactly. if the jabs can't protect the individual they can't protect anyone so yes. yeah it's insane yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not even a good story like it's not even a good story people it's make a better not. story up make it more convincing it's not <laughs> that's right that's right god will love you if you take it i mean the, the pope actually yeah. said something along those yeah. lines so. yeah. <laughs> jesus wants yeah. you to be vaccinated no he doesn't yes 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 <laughs> oh anyway so naomi it's been a real pleasure speaking with you and having this chat and 
Uh, it's not supposed to be this much fun, but I really have enjoyed it. <laughs> it was um, awesome. Is there anything that you'd like to add that we haven't covered? I know we've sort of gone off different tangents along yeah. the way, but is there anything we haven't discussed that you'd like to cover? I don't think so. No, I mean, gosh, I could talk for ages, so I'm just going to like, yeah, <laughs> won't say anything else. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again for coming on to Under the Wire. I really do appreciate it. And stay in touch and let us know how everything goes with your activism, and uh, we'll do the same. Okay. Thank you. Thanks it was lovely lot. to meet you face to face. Thank you. You too. Bye.